Welcome back to Something Positive for Positive People. This is part two of Nanette's episode with Project Accept. What I wanted to do in this part two episode was talk more so about your experience as a nurse, um, what you've seen, um, how common herpes is, how having herpes has helped or hindered you in your profession. And then I want to talk about um, the new thing you told me about with Project Accept. Me back. I really appreciate it and I look forward to uh, getting all that information out for you. So we will start with um, when can... I was a nurse. Yeah, let's start there. Since I was a nurse before I was diagnosed with genital HSV2 and I was working labor and delivery at the time, which meant that, um, you know, I had to watch for those babies. Mm-hmm. And when I was working with moms, I had to ask, you know, pertinent questions and I had to respect privacy. And there was things that, you know, I would just do in my routine day that once I was diagnosed, those routine questions had a little bit different perspective from me. And so I started to be a little bit more aware and um, I would ask more I would ask questions in a kinder and gentler way. Mm-hmm. And so it did help me with my with my nursing, my bedside nursing, because I I understood how traumatizing it could be to talk about it. Yeah. And so like I said, there were I cried every day for months. If I if I even thought about the word, I could have been in the grocery store, I could have been at work, I could be at home, and I would just start to cry. So I tried to be as sensitive to those types of uh, emotions with my patients as, as well. Um, I did move on from labor and delivery, and I went to the operating room, and there. I was working one day with a urologist and we were doing a procedure in the operating room on a young man and uh, without jeopardizing any HIPAA regulations, um, I, as the circulator, I said, do you need to swab for HSB? And he's like, oh, no, no, we already have the swabs. We don't need to do it anymore. And, you know, and from my observation, um, and everything, um, it, it was classic presentation, but I could only do so much. Mm-hmm. And the physician said no. And I had, I wasn't quite good in my skin yet. So I just had to accept what the physician said and move forward. And I felt like I let down my patient that day mm-hmm. because I didn't stand my ground in knowing what I know now. Yeah. Um, but in knowing what I know now, I also understand why the physician did what he did. Um, because in the years that I have been diagnosed, I really, at first I really, really relied on people who had already had the, the diagnosis. Um, after my breakup from the relationship, I finally decided to, you know, pull myself up by my bootstraps and I, one night I got on my laptop and I Googled herpes dating and, or dating with herpes or whatever. And I came up to positive singles and 
Oh, it was dreadful. Dreadful. It's because it's like an ambition. Um, but I got on there, and like I said, I was a single mom. I didn't have enough money to pay the exorbitant membership fee. But because I was single, I could, or I mean, because I was on there, I could freely uh, post in the blogs. I didn't have to join it. I didn't have to be a member to post in the blogs. And just by happenstance, somebody close by to me about 10 miles away was having a barbecue that weekend, and he read my Oh, Woe is Me post. And I had no idea who this person was. But by his, um, by his profile, I could tell that he was either a doctor or a JD, so that is education level. And so I was afraid that it was a doctor at the hospital that I worked at. And I was, and I was being trapped and paranoid <laughs> that this person I was going to cross paths with at work, right? Because I couldn't see his face on the, on, on his profile. He just had his big cowboy hat on. And so he's talking to me and says, come on, you should just come over and uh, meet everybody. Um, it'll be so much better. And I'm like, oh, woe is me. No, I don't think I can do this. And of course, now I'm not telling my family or my friends or anything about any of this. So this is all entirely against the grain of even online dating or new dating policy. You don't go anywhere without at least telling a friend, right? For safety reasons for women. But I did this completely on my own. I didn't tell a soul where I was going. I did decide to go eventually. And I walked up to this house and I looked around. It was in a nice neighborhood. Okay, I can deal. It had a lot of cars in front of it. Okay, so this must really be a party. But I walked up to the door and I knocked on the door and nobody answered. So you just been praying. Well, like I was like gonna write, like I was gonna beat back to my car and be like, I shouldn't be here. But I could hear music and I could hear people laughing. I'm like, okay, if you don't do this, what are you gonna do? Gonna go home and cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So I pounded on the door one more time and what happened? Nothing. No. Somebody yells, Come in and I'm like, Oh shit. Now not only is nobody coming to the door, I have to open it. So, what did I do? I hope you opened the door. At this point, what do I have to lose, right? Because Mm -hmm. I'm already as low as I can be. I opened the door, and I went on in, and I met some really wonderful people. And, you know, sometimes I, I always say safety first, but you have to go with your gut sometimes. And I went with my gut this time, and my gut said that I was going to be safe and okay. So I went with my gut. As nervous as I was, my gut said I was going to be okay, and I was. And I met some wonderful people who introduced me to a website called HWorks. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another site at the same time called MPWH. Real quick, so you said that the guy that you uh, met on Positive Singles who was having the barbecue or who uh, told you about the barbecue was in the medical field as well, right? Yes, it turned out he was a veterinarian. Oh, okay. So I didn't have to worry about finding him at work, <laughs> but that was my paranoia. Is that, Thank you for readdressing that. Yeah, is that a concern? You know, look at these little details, you know. Uh-huh. Is that a concern, um, having herpes and working in the medical profession? Yes. Um, I've come across a few people that I work with um, who have found me 
um, on various ways to get in touch with me with regard to their diagnosis. And um, they're like, oh, I hope she doesn't work with me. I hope she doesn't work with me. And sure enough, we do. We work at the same hospital. Um, but again, my confidentiality stays with me. When, right. What I know about somebody else's HSV status oh. stays with me without permission. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't disclose to anybody else without uh, somebody's permission. So, I know that there are people who fear others finding out they have herpes because of their profession. And it's probably not just the medical field, business owners who just don't want to be embarrassed by the fact that they have herpes and risk losing clients. Is that a thing where you can be fired for having herpes? I've heard of some people reporting that they have been fired because they've had herpes or they haven't been uh, offered a job position because of their diagnosis. I personally have not experienced that. Mm -hmm. The location... When I was diagnosed, the hospital that I worked at, we did have a contagious diseases clause, but it said so long as it was visible and um, you had to stay home, you know, during an outbreak. And so, and they were talking more about the face. And now um, I worked again, labor and delivery at the time. And just a little point here to make is that transmission to uh, newborns can be fatal to a newborn. So we have to really be diligent about making sure that if we see any signs of an outbreak on uh, the new mom in, in, in during labor or any of our staff, you know, um, we need to make sure that we bring that to the attention because we do not want anybody to bring HSV to a newborn. Right. All right. So after the barbecue, you met all these friends, you met great people, you pushed yourself outside of your comfort zone, and you don't regret it at all. Oh, no, no, not at all. Um, going to that barbecue changed my life. Um, I was surrounded by a variety of people. Oh, yeah. I met, um, I met kind of normal people. I met very well-educated people. I met funny people. I met happy people. Yes. And that was the key because I don't think I had laughed in months. Yep. You know? Yeah. I had nothing to laugh about. And when I got on HWorks, um, at the time, their chat room allowed for video chat. So I would get on there and my my computer screen looked like Hollywood squares because all these folks would cam up. Now I was too chicken to cam up. I, Cause like an, I'm an introvert to begin with. You so just it's watched. really hard for me already, but I would watch and I would listen and then they would kind of bring me into the conversation. And so then I finally started talking <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and interacting and I was still in my angry stage and uh, these folks were very supportive, and some of them gave me some tough love, man. Some of them told me like it was straight up to get over it and move forward, that it was not a big deal. And others were, you know, very a little bit more sensitive and yeah. coddling, which you kind of need a little bit of a combination to get through it, you mm-hmm. know. And so after a few months of this, and I learned about private events 
that were happening all over the country every so often, uh, like once a year. And I learned about uh, support meetings in my local area. Now, granted, I was two hours outside of D.C., so I really didn't want to drive two hours to the support meeting. But I did drive, you know, 10 miles to that barbecue. And so I started with that the barbecue. Those people that I met there, they were on H-Works as well. I kept in contact with them. They kept in contact with me. They told two friends and introduced me. So it was kind of like this little network of folks. And um, one year there was an event that people were going to, and I felt so much better that I decided I wanted to go to this event and thank the people that I had seen on my little computer screen. I wanted to thank them in person to let them know that they're support and their words made a difference to me Mm -hmm. and so i journeyed three states away four three four (laughs) states away um to um middle america and i met about 70 people and we had a great time at this hotel we big pool party lunch and and just camaraderie and and it was happy and smiling and laughs and you know stories and tears and you know it was just it was just cathartic mm-hmm. and to, to be able to tell them thank you and so um i came home after this event and of course i had taken picture well let me rephrase this uh, as an introvert i don't like my picture taken but you can choose. You can either have your picture taken or let people know that you don't want your picture taken. Well, I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with it, but I felt included. And that was something huge because when the stigma of, of herpes grabs a hold of you, you think you're alone. So again, jumping outside my box, I jumped into some pictures or people would jump into pictures and want to have a picture with me, which made me feel good. Oh yeah, you love so, that. <laughs> right? It was like, oh, I don't like that picture of me, but oh, somebody wanted to, to have their picture with me. So it made me feel good, right? So um, I get back and um, we get back up on the works and we're chatting in the chat room and I'm just, you know, really... Um, about my newfound friends uh-huh. and and how in much better mindset and place that I am. And one of those friends, which I had met it actually at the barbecue, um, talked me into getting on Facebook. And I was like, no, I really don't want to be on Facebook. That, I just wasn't interested. Well, finally she talked me into it. And I made a profile on Facebook and I had a few friends um, from the age community that were on there, and then, but I also had um, a couple of work friends, I guess, or maybe I didn't. I honestly don't remember. Um, but one morning, it was uh, in October, and the only reason I know it was in October was because it was a few days after my birthday. And um, I signed on to Facebook, and it had a promotion about this new feature called Groups. And with after this event and the pictures, I had posted them on my page a week before I had somebody, con- two people actually, contact me and say, take my picture off your page because somebody's going to find out. Yeah. And I'm like, 
how would somebody find out why you and I are friends? It doesn't make sense, but okay. So I untag them because that's, that's respectable, but I'm like, why do I need to take the picture down? Okay. And this group thing, I could put whoever I wanted to in it. Yes. And we could post whatever we wanted to. Yes. And wasn't this a really cool thing? Yep. <laughs> so I started this group and I put about 30 people in, the only 30 people that I knew because it was just months after I had been to this event and um, I put these folks in and I said, okay, you can only be in this group if you have herpes, period. And <laughs> nobody could see it. You know, we went through the, oh my goodness, they're going to see me if I post this and they're going to see me. No, we went through all of that and we found that it was totally secret. You couldn't find it on Facebook if you searched for it. The only way that you could get in it was by knowing somebody who was in it and they added you. So this group that started with about 30 people started to exponentially grow. And OMG, I was sitting back going, what have I done? Because I didn't know all these people, but yet they told two friends and so on and so on and so on. And so all of a sudden, there's this big, huge group with a thousand people in it. And I'm mm -hmm. like, whoa, where'd those all come from? I don't know everybody. And it started, it was so fun. Um, it was just, it was very organic. And it was fun, and everybody was kind of like a family in there and picking on each other. And <laughs> this thing, it was like carrying over from the H work chat room, but it was everybody could do it at the same time. You could have more than, you know, one or two people chatting. And I don't know why it took off, but it did. And then the next thing I know, there's so many people. And then I have people saying, hey, well, do you have a group for this or do you have a group for that? And I'm like, no, I only have this one, yeah, you know, and then the socialization started to take um, precedence and some of the support of the questions about HSV and herpes were getting lost because mm -hmm. of the way Facebook's um, news, uh, not news feed, but the, the group feed was. And so um, somebody decided to branch out and create uh, a support group. And somebody else decided that they wanted to make a ladies group. And somebody else decided that they wanted to take their Yahoo group uh, from their town and make a Facebook group for their town too. And so it just kind of organically snowballed yeah. into this network of, of groups and it got to be, you know, with any community, um, the bigger it is, sometimes the more problems there is, you know, and sometimes there are people that are there for purposes other than, and sometimes you're making a difference in somebody's life. And that group saved lives. I know for a fact, because, uh, we actually used the group to save a life, somebody posted something that was of concern, an admin intervened, and privately got the information that we needed, and we were able to get the proper people in the proper place and get that person help. Yeah. So 
we know it saved a life. I, on more than one occasion, I know it did. Yeah, and I, I'm sure it has because uh, that's one of the reasons that this podcast was started was just because me saying having herpes isn't all that bad to a woman who is contemplating suicide isn't enough. It's We need to hear more from people like you, like myself, like uh, other guests that we've had on the podcast to know, hey, this is common. You go on, you live a life, you have a career, um, you can do whatever it is that you want to do. The only difference is like now you have herpes. Nothing else has changed. Correct. But it took me many years to come to that. But you had to be in, you had to get around people. You had to get around yes. the the right kinds of people. People who were going to be supportive. People who were going to be uh, who who understood. You needed to be around empathetic people or understanding people who weren't judgmental and. Um, I know I hear it from a lot of people how grateful they are for herpes after time, like after you've had time and experiences, um, when you get around people who have all these different perspectives and sets of experiences around you for conversation, for support, for, I mean, even dating, you know, you find yourself getting out of your comfort zone and being around so many different types of people is really where that growth comes from, that development, that newfound perspective. You find yourself doing things, uh, you become more open-minded to other things and dating other races, cultures, ages. Well, you brought up a good point and I wanted to, I wanted to hit home on that because that was a very poignant turn in, in my journey. Um, I mentioned these events, and there was a Christmas party here in my area, and some people from out of state came to that party, and I'm like, well, what'd they come here for? You know, I didn't quite grasp the concept. I was like, this is our Christmas party. Why'd they come here? Well, I found myself sitting in my apartment two weeks later with nothing else to do for the entire weekend, going, hmm, their party is this weekend. I can drive it. I can be there in about 10 hours. I can go. They came here. Why why wouldn't I want to go there? And so I did. And I went to this party. And this is um, a group that is very um, historically active group in in a very large city. So the holiday party that in their town was very well attended. And I had the opportunity to be at a vantage point of looking down on the party from above on a loft area. And I had an epiphany and I had been working, the, you know, wandering through the crowd, talking to people I knew, meeting the others I didn't know. And while I was up on the loft, I looked down and I said, hmm, no one in this room can hate me or judge me for having herpes. Now, there's people here I like, and there's people here I'm really not as fond of, but it has nothing to do with having herpes. It's normal life, mm-hmm. you know? And so I felt, I it's it was like, that was kind of like my point of starting to feel normal again, Yeah. was I was able to take that, that epiphany and go, hmm, yeah, not everybody <laughs> judges me. Or something I know, but they don't know. And then when I do know, they still may or may not like me. It had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And I mean, you, <laughs> you don't know? you don't appreciate 
what you see in front of you until you can't see. So, like, you get mud thrown in your eyes, and then when you clean it out, you're like, oh, shit, I can see again. And, like, that's just how, that's kind of how that works. So herpes essentially was dirt. You get dirt in your eyes every now and then, and you got to wipe it out and more so be appreciative of what's in front of you. Exactly. Um, so, so yes, that, that event was a, a definite turning point for me, as well as the other events that I, I ended up going to many events for the next two years, plus the group was growing, and then there were many more groups, and then I was able to see what was going on in other places, and me, I like to travel. Yeah, so, oh, you had a reason I, to I travel. <laughs> Let's see what's going on. I've got a I've got a network already here, and I can go here, and I can see so and so, and so and so, and such and such, and we can get yeah. together, and we can have you know a little social time, and it became a wonderful thing for me. I it was my it was my outlet mm-hmm. because I wasn't dating. I was afraid to date, and so therefore I just hung out with my friends, and I had these newfound friends, and. I was I was content, and I wasn't dwelling on the fact that I had HSV. Yeah. So, I, it was a very good time for me just to kind of live free, not pay attention to it, and move forward. Yeah, we need those good times. Yes, and <laughs> but uh, with those good times, of course, came conversations about HSV. And in the groups, uh, whichever group it was, it, it could be any of the groups um, or any of the events. You know, when you have somebody who's brand new that comes to an event that's still a little overwhelmed or something, um, you kind of take them off to the side. We'll let them talk their story and share with you how they're feeling. And then, you know, you're there for them and then you kind of bring them into the fold. Um, that was one thing about the events was that. If you were new, you weren't left in a corner. Yeah. Whenever I went to an event, uh, even some of the events even had name tags that were indicated of whether or not this was your first event. Okay. So if, if say, it was my first event, I had a blue name tag, and somebody else was an administrator or organizer of the event, theirs was red. And, you know, just a, an attendee that had been there before was green. Mm-hmm. So it was that easy to identify people to help them bring them in. So if they saw somebody yeah. with a red name tag sitting off in the corner, a green or a blue would come over and say, hey, who are you? How are you? Can I help you? So it was very, um, very reassuring. I, I never felt alone. You know, mm-hmm. I never felt like I was lonely. You felt included, just like you said, you I know, felt- when taking the pictures or having your picture taken, you were included. Exactly. Yeah. You were part of something and not alone. And what does the stigma do? The stigma makes you think you feel like you're all alone and nobody else has this and you're left to deal with it all on your own. And yeah. that's not the case at all someone uh someone i had on the podcast even said that they were like herpes wants you to think you're alone because when you're ashamed embarrassed and alone that's when it has the opportunity to spread we're stressed we think we're the only ones dealing with it we probably shame ourselves don't take medication and bam now we can have an outbreak and now when you're not disclosing or telling people you're able to spread it and now it's 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 getting what it wants by us being ashamed of it being embarrassed by it not 
uh, feeling like we can openly and honestly communicate about our status. It, it does all of those things. That's what herpes wants. And the only way to combat that is to be at a place where it's not a shameful thing anymore. Yes, exactly. And these, these events and this network gave me the strength to start to stand on my own. Mm-hmm. And then I, then I went through what I call the coming out phase. Oh yeah. <laughs> I kind of compare my journey to, um, uh, like coming out of the closet. Absolutely. I was paying it forward mm-hmm. because of those who had been there for me. And so, um, probably about 2012 it was about two, two years into, uh, the groups and the events, and I crossed paths with um, a man named Christian Fashog. So Christian uh, somehow was added to my group, and we got to talking, and I found um, that he had some ideas that were very similar to mine. Um, during the the evolution of the community network on Facebook uh, through all the groups, there was a lot of misinformation, bad information. Um, people were coming into the support group saying what their doctor told them, which was flat out lies. And as a nurse, I was embarrassed by some of the just flat out horrible uh, education that these people were getting from their doctors. And it made me ashamed to be part of the healthcare community. Yeah. Um, so I digress for just a moment. But um, so I crossed paths with Christian and he had an idea that I was very interested in. He wanted to start a nonprofit that started to bring more current education and information to the public and he named it projectaccept.org and the more I read about it and the more I talked to him and I talked we talked for hours because I really wanted to know um, more about this it 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 really um, it spoke to me Mm -hmm. and I wanted to know more so I kept digging and digging and digging and finally, um, a few of us came together, and we took this concept, and we made it a reality, and we, um, we brought it to the state. I um, talked to Christian about the process of, of bringing the business to, uh, to being an entity, and so we started here in my state, and we got a Virginia nonstop corporation uh, put in place and then while we were doing the backside of things we were also very um, forefront in the community trying to get out and be more active and have activism type events and one of these things that um, a lady that is known in the community had an idea, her idea, she wanted to do a walk for H. And unfortunately, for reasons she had, we were in the process of organizing it. She had started it. She had to step down. So uh, when she stepped down, 
we stepped up and in her honor, we went ahead with the plans to have the first Walk for H. And it was organized in Chicago and it was in conjunction with the Rock and Roll Marathon in June of, I want to say 2012. Right now I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was in June and we had seven people show up and we wore shirts and we got out there and we handed out flyers and we walked the 10K, 5K, sorry, the 5K um, portion of the Rock and Roll Marathon. And that was our first Walk for H. And we did three of those. All the while, we we're putting in for the IRS uh, nonprofit delegation as a 501c3. So we're doing our activism and we're putting our paperwork together so that we can get this delegation so that those who do donate to our organization are able to use it as a tax write-off. So we went ahead and we just kept doing what we were doing and our um, the IRS did approve our application and that was in January of 2013. So we have been a nonprofit organization since June of 2000, or I'm sorry, August 2012, officially by the State Corporation Commission. Um, but that was after our first Walk for H. Give us an overview of what Project Accept is and does real quick. The mission is to get out there and get not only the healthcare community, but the public and those who have HSV on the same page to get awareness, education, and get rid of all the miscommunication, all of the misinformation, all of the half-truths, all of the statistics that, um, you know, there's one in five, there's one in four, there's one in seven. What is really the truth? Yes. And so we put about to put that information out there to see if we could bring people from the uh, healthcare community, the research community together to bring about the most current information to the public. Okay. Because we want, we want to dispel the stigma and put the reality out there. Oh yeah. Uh, it's hard to take know, something serious when there's so, there's so many inconsistencies, like one in four, one in six, one in seven. Correct. And during the process of the early years of, of Project Accept, I was in uh, contact with a friend of mine who networked with the CDC. So uh, when she came to me, she said, I know you're working on this. Maybe this person can help. We wrote to the CDC and said, okay, your page such and such has 16.2% of the adult population has genital herpes. But on this page, your your statement says 16.2% of the pop, adult population has HSV2. So we have these two things going on, but what we are seeing in the groups, me and, and, and Christian and others, 
we're seeing all of these people coming in being diagnosed with genital HSV-1. So where does that play into either one of those statistics? Yeah. You know, it doesn't. But yet we have group leaders that are not research inclined, so they're going by what the CDC posts. Well, guess what? The CDC is wrong. It's not posting the correct information. So there's no one to basically check the CDC. Right. So we contacted the CDC and said, hey, we have all this going on, and we see this, and we see this. We can't have these two things being the same when we have this HSV-1 genital being so prevalent these Mm -hmm. days. And the diagnosis is coming out. So, therefore, we need you, the CDC, to do something to to let people know that it's not just HSV-2 that causes genital herpes. Because we, we know better. Right. And, and, and these people that are, are running these groups are, are singing your tune, but your tune is wrong. Yeah. So, um... We, they didn't change it as much as we had hoped, but they did change it to make it more consistent. Good. So At least there's 16.2 consistency. 16.2% is genital HSV2, not genital herpes. So there's, there is a, deline- a clinical delineation there. Got it. So the terminology is more accurate and we're looking at more consistency. And that's what you guys are working on is to establish that consistent, accurate information across the board. Correct. We want consistency, we want accuracy, and we want reality. Ooh, ah, that's a good one. Consistency, accurate, oh, consistency, accuracy, reality. I like it. Um, so we're at a good place to wrap this up. Um, you mentioned to me that there was something exciting and new going on with projectaccept.org that you recently talked about. Uh, yes, yes. Um, just this month, uh, we are partnering with Imagine Life Coaching and Katarina Barger, who is a life coach that has been with my group since just about the beginning. And we are partnering to do Tuesday support sessions online where you can join the support meeting. You can come in talk to us face-to-face. You can talk to us about your questions, your concerns, your your own personal story. Um, and I will be addressing more of the clinical information, and Katarina will be focusing more on the emotional and life journey portion of, of the story. So you'll have the two of us right there for you, one-on-one. Not one-on-one. We're going to be a small group. Tag team. That's right, we're going to be tag teaming. <laughs> but, um, so it's just a small group environment. So folks that need a little bit more personalized services, one-on-one type, there will be that option available as well. But for right now, we have started on Tuesdays, Tuesday mornings, a uh, small group, and Tuesday evenings, a little bit larger group. And for the month of April, that Tuesday evening slot the fee will be waived. Okay. So anybody who would like to come try it, 
Tuesday evening. Uh, we have the link set up and the registration forms set up on projectaccept.org. All right. And I'll link to Project Accept and uh, see if we can get a link that takes people directly to that page so that they can attend the support meeting. I'm excited for you guys because that is very, very helpful. Just as the community events and being around like situationed people and then finding your like-minded people within that group really helps with recovering from the trauma of a diagnosis of herpes and having to deal with the stigma so uh, for you guys to be especially addressing the emotional uh aspect of what's happening in your life around the fact that you have herpes i think that that's so important because due to the stigma we blame everything on herpes i see it consistently that People won't address the things that need to be addressed. They address herpes because it's there, it's not going away, it's incurable, and it's just easier to point the finger at something else rather than looking at, okay, you know, I don't do well with stress, I have my mom and dad issues, I allow people to walk all over me, whatever the situation may be. No one wants to point the finger at themselves they want to point it externally and it's just easier to get out of that habit once you are able to talk to someone who understands and is help is able to help you get into that way of thinking absolutely i often call it the herpes scapegoat yeah as, i mean that's exactly what it is <laughs> it's it the really scapegoat is. and i mean i've used it oftentimes uh early on in my diagnosis and Honestly, um, I'm six years in, and I would say that I've probably done that even up until very recently uh, prior to starting a podcast and getting to the point where I was speaking to so many other people who uh, I've had similar experiences with, and I'm able to say, oh, my God, you know, I can relate to that. Like, even with your story uh, on the last episode, there were many times where I was sitting here thinking, oh, my God, me too. I am appreciative of what you and Katerina are doing, and I'll be sure to do what I can to get people to come and check it out because these are very, very useful, and um, I'll push it as best I can. Well, thank you, Courtney, and I do appreciate everything that you're doing as well because another thing that uh, Project Accept, we say, together we can make a difference, and I would like us to come together, those of us who are willing to step up and step out, because there are so many that are so afraid to step up and step out that those of us who are willing to come together to step up and step out, we do make a difference. I have seen a change in the last 10 years uh, through all the groups. Now, granted, um, not everyone and not all the time, but I have seen changes and I think that we are going in the right direction. Yeah. So if we all continue to to work our work and, and work our path, I think that the folks that are coming down the path, I have a daughter who's 21, I have a daughter who's 30, they refer their friends to me. So uh, the more we talk about it normally, yeah, the better... Yeah, the better prepared people are. Absolutely, absolutely. And I I use this analogy, it's not perfect by any means, of just being a lighthouse and how it took for someone who was open about their own condition and just kind of being there and looking out for people who may not know about the resources available, the groups, the uh, dating sites, the uh, the support that's out there. You know, I was in the dark about it until, you know, I got glimpses. Someone reached out to me and brought me to the point that they were at so that I could do the same thing. So this stuff helps. It's helped me over the last six years. And 
Granted, I didn't find any of these resources until five years in. Um, I've if, had people say that with 20 years in. Yeah, so just there, imagine there what no these people... There was no internet when I was diagnosed. You yeah. know, there's a, there's a, a good clinical lineage to it as well, but we didn't get a chance to get into that. Um, but that's okay. Um, but we're here today, and we're moving forward, and we need to get that information out there to folks so that they can get the support and the resources they need in order to move forward, not have to use it as a scapegoat, and just have a, a, a well-rounded life and yeah. not dwell. Yeah. We're not just raising awareness here. We're inspiring action. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so thank you very much for what you're doing as well. I really, really appreciate it. And for anyone who is interested and needs to reach out for the community, Project Accept also has a link to the community because, like I said, it is a secret network um, that you can't find on Facebook unless you know someone. You can go to projectaccept.org backslash community um, or any of the ones where you can say join us. You'll see that on the, on the website occasionally as well on some of the different pages. So you can fill out that form, our intake coordinator will um, match up to your needs and um, get you pointed in the right direction. For those that are not so concerned, Project Accept also has a closed secret group, which is searchable on Facebook. So all you have to do is um, search HSV slash herpes and our support group by Project Accept will come up. And thank you for the compliment and thank you for what you guys are doing. Likewise, thank you. All right. That concludes this two-part episode of Something Positive for Positive People with Nanette from Project Accept. I'll link in the show notes how um, we, you can find that support group meeting and where you can find more information about Project Accept and what they're doing. Again, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Reddit at HRMyChest. For anyone who is, like I said earlier, afraid of following and being associated with the podcast, you can just follow the hashtag Something Positive for Positive People and check in every now and then. Until next time, stay positive.